Good morning. Please open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Our focus this morning will be verses 42 through 45, but um, we'll start reading in verse 39 so that we can have the context clear. So Luke 1.39, this is the word of the Lord. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are grateful that we can gather together this morning in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us light, Lord, that we are not left in darkness, but you have given us your word, and through your word we know the testimony to our Lord Jesus Christ, our only Savior. Lord, I pray that as we study narratives that I am sure are, are very familiar to, to most of those who are here today, that we would worship you, that we would praise you for the wonderful things that you've accomplished and done for us, how you've blessed us in Christ Jesus, and how you've blessed us with fellowship with one another. I pray that you be with us, that you help me clearly speak what you've taught me through this passage, that you would help my brothers and sisters and all hearers here to understand what you've written in your word. Lord, and may we all be edified and your name be glorified. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Last time I had the opportunity to be with you a few months back, we examined the account of Simeon's praise when he met the child Jesus and his parents in the temple in Jerusalem, that was in in Luke chapter 2. And we talked then about the blessings which belong to those saved by the Lord. Simeon's song is one of several instances in the first two chapters of Luke where God is praised for the salvation found in the coming of his son Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and which was announced by a forerunner, John the Baptist. God through Luke, brings forth early in his gospel narrative many witnesses to the one and only Savior and the privilege, blessing, and joy which accompanied his entrance into the world for those with eyes to see and ears to hear. In addition to Simeon, for example, in in Luke chapter 2, there's a prophetess named Anna, which in verse 38 began to give thanks to God and speak of him, that is Jesus, to all who were waiting for the redemption 
of Jerusalem. There's also the angels before the shepherds out in the field. They praise God in chapter 2, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, said in chapter 1, verse 68, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Mary herself, right after our passage in verse 46, she says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. There is, in the first two chapters of Luke, a palpable, recognizable context of rejoicing and praise in the birth narratives for for both John the Baptist as forerunner and Jesus as Savior. Luke wants to impress upon us the blessedness which flows from God sending his Son into the world. And so this morning, I want us to continue examining the many blessings a believer finds in God's gifts, Jesus being the greatest gift of all. We sang this morning a hymn that tells us to count our blessings, to name them one by one, to see what God hath done. And so along with Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother, and Mary, the earthly mother of Jesus, let us name the blessings of what God hath done. And this morning, I'd like to share four with you. The blessings of Christ's coming, in verse 42. The blessing of fellowship and family, in verses 43 and 44. The blessing of faith, in the first part of verse 45. And the blessing of fulfillment, in the second part of verse 45. The blessing of Christ's coming, the blessing of fellowship and family, the blessing of faith, and the blessing of fulfillment. Now, ever since the fall of man back in Genesis 3, there's been a biblical expectation and a hope of a coming one, the seed of the woman who would bruise the serpent's head. In Genesis 49.10, Jacob expresses this hope by saying, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, that is Messiah, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Deuteronomy 18.18, God tells Moses, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. Then in the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which we know means God with us. And then in Isaiah 9, 6, for to us 
a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And who's going to do this? Isaiah tells us the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The prophet later speaks also of Christ's forerunner in chapter 40, verse 3. A voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And Malachi, at the end of our Old Testament, also speaks of the forerunner. Chapter 3, verse 1, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And in chapter 4, verse 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. And then after Malachi, there were hundreds of years of prophetic silence, no word from the Lord. So by the time we read the infancy narratives in the Gospel of Luke, hundreds and even thousands of years after God spoke these words, there can be no doubt of the monumental and awe-inspiring events being described in those first two chapters. In Luke 1, the angel Gabriel speaks to Zechariah in the temple after those hundreds of years of prophetic silence and tells him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Yes, I'm glad you're listening. And you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. To make ready For the Lord, a people prepared. Where have we heard this? In the Old Testament prophets, there is a definite connection between the Old Testament prophets and the announcements of the birth of the forerunner and the Messiah. We read it. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. 
But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, just as the angel had told Zechariah not to be afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary and Elizabeth's times, Luke's times were no ordinary times. God had entered time and space to do the work of salvation on behalf of mankind as he had foretold in time past. We should not wonder then why after the angel told Mary, and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God that Mary arose and went with haste, with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Now, greetings back then were more personal and detailed, not the uh, casual hi that we may be used to in our day. So after this personal greeting, When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. Elizabeth's baby leaped in her womb, and she was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry. What was being announced, what was being experienced and described was of such significance that a prophetic loud cry was necessary. It should be proclaimed in the rooftops, as it were. It's the testimony of the Holy Spirit through Elizabeth concerning God's Son. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Elizabeth tells Mary. Why? Because the long-awaited Messiah is here. The seed of the woman, spoken of back in Genesis chapter 3, the seed of the woman has arrived. God's Son has come. From Genesis to Malachi, prophets, kings, priests, ordinary men and women They all had been waiting and expecting and hoping for the day when the Lord's anointed would come. And now he is here. That is why Mary is blessed among women, for the privilege granted to her to be the earthly mother of the Savior of the world. And there's no doubt the fruit or seed of her womb is blessed. The Lord Jesus 
had been conceived in a virgin's womb. And as the angel told Joseph in Matthew's gospel, she will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now we, 2,000 years later, have the privileged blessing of partaking in God's salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to ask you, do you recognize the favor of God by the coming of His Son into the world? God didn't need to do that. He chose to do that. Do you realize that if God had not intervened so and sent His Son, that we all here would have no hope? That we would be justly condemned for eternity in hell because of our sins? Man fell back in Genesis 3. And the only hope since then has been for God to send a Savior. Elizabeth recognized God's favor as soon as Mary greeted her. We have no indication there was any hesitation from Elizabeth or from Mary in this meeting. Mary went with haste to visit Elizabeth in what would have been a three to four day journey, probably about 80 miles. There were no cars back then. And Elizabeth rejoiced at the greeting and she blessed Mary. They were all, they were both rejoicing, happy to see each other. They are believing examples to us in how we should embrace and rejoice in God's salvation on our behalf through our Lord Jesus Christ. Mary and Elizabeth recognized the importance of the time and events. Salvation had come. And the Christmas story should never get old. And the way to keep it awe-inspiring and joyful And the motive for us to praise and worship God is by focusing on the wonder of what God has done for us in His Son. Let us always count the blessing of Christ's coming. And while we recognize and rejoice in the spiritual blessing that we receive with Christ's coming, the believer's union with Christ by faith, I want us to notice that this joy is experienced in the context of human fellowship and family life. Elizabeth says in verse 43, And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Elizabeth appreciated Mary's visit as we've noted already. She did not take it lightly. On the contrary, she considered it a great honor that the mother of her Lord had come, the physical and the spiritual together, as Elizabeth expresses her faith in the one whom Mary has conceived, calling him Lord. But she also, at the same time, rejoices in her fellowship with Mary. Elizabeth expresses faith. She cannot even see the baby Jesus, 
but she calls him her Lord, and she rejoices that the mother of her Lord had come to her. And by asking, why is this granted to me, Elizabeth marvels at the grace of God, his unmerited favor toward her, letting her experience and participate in God's work of salvation through the fellowship of Mary, her son Jesus, and even her own son, Elizabeth's own son, John. God didn't need to send his son, and God had no obligation to send the mother of God's son to Elizabeth. And Elizabeth realizes this. She realizes that this is the grace of God. Then verse 44 says, For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Now remember that the angel Gabriel had told Zechariah that John would be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And you may have wondered at times, what's the purpose of John being filled with the Holy Spirit even from the womb? It's like, oh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how, how useful that would be. Why would John be filled with the Holy Spirit even from the womb? Well, here's our answer in our passage. John's leap for joy was the first testimony he gave of the Lord Jesus Christ, the first action as the Messiah's forerunner. John served as a sign that the child in Mary's womb was Messiah. And Elizabeth wants us to pause and ponder this. For behold, behold, see this, take note of this. When the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And that testimony brought great joy to both mothers. And it should bring great joy to us. Christ indeed had arrived. And again, we see the spiritual and physical working together. The joy of the Lord expressed in family life. Remember, Mary and Elizabeth were relatives. With Mary at this time being just a a young, a very young teenager, and Elizabeth passed childbearing age, an elderly woman. So young and old family members rejoicing in the Lord, the older blessing the younger wholeheartedly. In a culture where age commanded respect, the older is blessing the younger. And the baby in Elizabeth's womb is rejoicing as well. We are reminded once more that the Christian life is not to be lived in isolation, but in community. It is good to gather as the people of God, to share our lives, to have fellowship with one another, to rejoice and weep together. We can only imagine the content of Mary and Elizabeth's conversation in the greeting. The text does not tell us. But we know they were experiencing all this together. Mary went with haste, and Elizabeth 
rejoiced when Mary greeted her. Monumental events in world salvation history were happening, and two Jewish women in a small town in the hill country of Judea were rejoicing and wondering about all of it together. You know, somewhere on West Texas, you know, something like that. Somewhere where nobody goes. They were rejoicing together. Different generations, different family situations, and in our case today, different cultures, different backgrounds, and even different languages. But all together by our union with Christ and with one another. And even within our families, we must not take for granted the blessing of living together, of spending time together. We live in a culture that seems to be giving less and less value to simple family life, godly marriages, motherhood, and children. And by the way, I, I, I need to state this, even though it's a, a somewhat peripheral detail in the passage, but we should not fail to see children in the womb are considered alive from conception. They are considered human beings created by God for Him to bless and use for His purposes. Coming back to the blessing of family life, we have two godly women and their children enjoying one another, happy that they're together, embracing the unique role God has placed in their lives. Elizabeth does not resent she is not the mother of Messiah. She rejoices Mary is. Elizabeth could have said, well, why not me? Why this young girl? Why not me? That's not what she says. She rejoices that the mother of her Lord had come. John in the womb does not resent he is not the Messiah. He rejoices Jesus is. No, I'm not going to leap in the womb. No, no, no. I should have been the Messiah. That's not what happened. John rejoices and gives testimony that the Messiah had come. Mary does not think highly of herself. For she will go on to say in the following verses, My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble state of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Mary, Elizabeth, John, and Jesus all gladly embraced the role God had given them. And are we able to say the same is true in our life? Do we rejoice in the unique role God has for you in your family, at church, at work, and in life in general? Embrace what God has given you. Do not resent the circumstances in your life. Rather, value your family, spouse, children, relatives, and value the fellowship in your congregation. Rejoice in the simple things of life. 
In our passage, the circumstances surrounding the meeting of two mothers were extraordinary, but the rejoicing took place in someone's home with personal greetings and with a child moving in a mother's womb. Extraordinary events happening and being pondered through very ordinary means. Let us not think that living ordinary lives means God is not doing anything in and through us. Our prayer and our desire should be that God may be glorified through our very ordinary life and our ordinary activities in our home, in our church, and wherever God has us. We should count the blessing of fellowship and family. Third, we see the blessing of faith. In the first part of verse 45, Elizabeth says of Mary, and blessed is she who believed. Mary was a true believer. And unfortunately, there are unnecessarily many wrong ideas about Mary nowadays. Mary was a sinner. She knew she needed a Savior. Her song reveals that in chapter 1, verse 47 in Luke's gospel. She considered herself a slave or a bondservant of the Lord, as she told the angel Gabriel in chapter 1, verse 38. In the gospel of Luke, we see Mary simply and unassumingly as a believer. She was blessed because she believed God and she walked with him. If we have any doubts, we need only go to Luke chapter 11. In verse 27, we read speaking, somebody speaking to Jesus as he said these things, a woman in the, crowd, in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Here was an opportunity to exalt Mary. But the Lord Jesus says, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So I blessed is she who believed. Later on, we see Mary at the foot of the cross at Jesus' crucifixion. And then together with the disciples in Acts chapter 1, after Jesus' resurrection and ascension, Mary was a believer in Jesus. Mary believed in the Christ of God. Elizabeth was also blessed because she believed God. The blessedness of their faith is an exhortation for us to follow in their footsteps. We have read today many verses which speak of the one God would send to save his people from their sins. And how does one appropriate those blessings we've been talking about, beginning with the blessing of salvation? It's by faith, by believing God, by taking Him at His 
word. Hebrews 11.1, 1. now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. This means that when God says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, we can and must believe him. Mary was told she would bear a son even though she was a virgin, and she believed the word of the Lord. Mary was as conscious as Elizabeth was that she had found God's favor, that the privilege she had of giving birth to the Messiah was not on the basis of her own merit, but by the grace of God. The angel Gabriel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You, Mary, have found favor with God. The faith to believe what God says is a gift from God. For those of us who have heard and believed the good news of the gospel, that there is salvation only in Christ Jesus, we must always thank God for opening our eyes, our hearts, and our minds to the truth of the gospel so that we can see the beauty of our Lord Jesus Christ and the great salvation that he has accomplished for us. But if there is anyone here today who still has not seen the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ, has not placed his or her faith in Christ, you have not had your understanding open, your sins have not been forgiven, then I exhort you to cry out to the Lord. Ask him to have mercy on you. And he will abundantly pardon anyone who humbles himself or herself, who recognize their sinfulness and embrace the Lord Jesus as Lord and Savior. We should count the blessing of faith. And finally, we need to see the blessing of fulfillment. Verse 45 in its entirety says, And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. We've already mentioned Mary was a blessed believer, but let's finish by noting God was fulfilling or bringing things to pass at this time that Mary and Elizabeth got to witness themselves. The angel Gabriel told Mary, Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God, Mary was able to see that it was true when she visited Elizabeth. 
The angel also told Mary she would conceive in her womb without knowing a man. And John leaped for joy as Mary greeted Elizabeth, a sign the angel's words were true. Zechariah and Elizabeth were told they would have a son in their old age, and it became true. We see that in the first two chapters of the Gospel of Luke. There is great blessing in experiencing the fulfillment of God's Word, not only because people get to see it, but also, and importantly for us, because those fulfillments speak of the guarantee that every single thing God says will come to pass. Everything God says will be fulfilled. Psalm 119, 160 says, The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. When God told David in 2 Samuel 7, he would build David an everlasting house and kingdom, fulfilled through the son of David, Jesus, David responded by saying, And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this good thing to your servant. Now, therefore, may it please you to bless the house of your servant, so that it may continue forever before you, for you, O Lord God, have spoken. And with your blessing shall the house of your servant be blessed forever. Why would David have an everlasting house? Because God said so. Why would Zechariah and Elizabeth have a son? Because God said so. Why would Mary conceive in her womb the Savior of the world? Because God said so. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, an angel spoke to shepherds out in the field. Luke 2.15 tells us, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. As it had been told them. They praised God because of what they heard, because of what they saw, and because it was all just as it had been told them. There is wonder, there is awe, there is praise at the fulfillment of God's Word. And this should fix in our minds and our hearts the conviction that God's Word is always true, and everything will be done as God has said. Verse 45, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment 
of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Are we convinced of this? Are we convinced that what Proverbs 30 verse 5 says, every word of God proves true? We may or may not get to see the fulfillment ourselves, but we can be certain everything God says will come to pass. That includes Acts chapter 1 verse 10. When Jesus ascended to heaven, it says that while his disciples were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Why is the Lord Jesus coming back? Because God says so. The Lord Jesus is coming back to save those who have placed their trust in him and to judge those who did not believe his words. There is no excuse God has given us his word and has commanded all men everywhere to repent and to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And believers in Jesus will get to experience one day completely the blessing of fulfillment. And we should count and name it as a blessing. Name them one by one. See what the Lord hath done. So Christian, be encouraged. You have been blessed by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You've been blessed with a spiritual family in this congregation. You've been blessed with an earthly family with which you can enjoy many things. If you're a true believer in Christ, you've been blessed with the gift of faith. And we've been blessed with God's precious word in which we can rest completely, knowing all of it is true and all of it will be fulfilled in its proper time. So let us give thanks to the Lord this coming week for the many gifts he has provided for us. And let us bless his holy name for the many blessings he has showered upon us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we recognize and we thank you and praise you for your grace, that unmerited favor that you've showered upon us, namely and chiefly in our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you that it is through our Lord Jesus that we can come before you, that we can gather with joy as your people that we can ponder and wonder at the birth narrative of both John the Baptist and our Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, thank you that those two Jewish women 2,000 years ago were so joyful and they bring such a blessing to us now. And Lord, thank you for a time and a week where we can give thanks to you, when we can gather as a congregation and as families 
to give you thanks, to give you praise, Lord, for all the blessings that you have given us. Lord, I pray that from our heart we would count them, we would name them, and we would praise you for what you have done. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.